Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Work Stories is a place for women of color to share their experiences in the workplace. We're no longer whispering these stories to our best friends and partners and then shoving them to the backs of our minds and just dealing. We're talking about bias, equal pay, bad bosses, racist hiring practices, and all the crazy things your coworkers have done or said to you. This is a safe place to tell those stories. The floor is open, y'all. We are telling it all. Welcome back to Work Stories. Today, we are getting a little therapy and talking about work stress and setting boundaries with licensed therapist Denise Pliner. Let's get into it. Hi, Denise. How are you? Hi, I'm good. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, I'm excited to have this approach to the topics we've been talking about all season, really talking about our mental health as it relates to our jobs and careers and learning some strategies we can do to ease our stress and kind of know the line between stress and like actual trauma. So let's start off by you just briefly introducing yourself to our audience. Hello, everyone. My name is Denise Pliner. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm also a mental health advocate. And through that, I have an Instagram account where I talk about all things mental health. I have a YouTube channel called Therapy Explained, where I continue to talk about more things regarding mental health. And I'm also an adjunct professor at Pacific Oaks College in Pasadena um, in their master's level program that trains therapists. Nice. Do you think that you're doing enough? (laughs) You're doing a lot. You have a lot going on. You're very busy. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Because I mean, I forgot to mention that too. I mean, I also have a private practice. So I I see clients on a weekly basis. Um, But no, I I feel like it's not enough. (laughs) It's not enough. It's not enough. Well, tell us what led you into this field and what kind of inspired you to do this work? I always knew that I wanted to help people. I didn't know that I wanted to be a therapist, but just from a very young age, I knew that whatever it was that I did, it had to be in serving others. And I think it comes from the fact that I'm a Mexican immigrant. I came here when I was five years old and we didn't really have much. My parents and and my brother and, and I, when we were growing up, but my parents still found the time to volunteer and help other people and like donate. And they really instilled the importance of helping others. 
And I just knew that, okay, that's what I want to do. It, it feels good to help other people. And then as I grew up and I explored different career options, becoming a therapist felt like a very natural fit for me. Yeah. Um, that's, that's amazing. Definitely a lot of respect for those of you in this type of service work. Um, we need you desperately, especially in this country where the work life balance, well, there is no balance, I guess. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. the problem. It's a culture we live in, the work culture we have. Um, so when you have a client coming to you that's dealing with work stress or toxicity or trauma, what is kind of the first thing you do to advise them or like what do you tell them to do or how do you um, figure out you know where they are in that experience mm-hmm. well the very very first thing is I like to listen to their story I want to know how they got here and how they see their world and how they see themselves in their world and we try to brainstorm together what are some ways in which we can start reducing that that level of stress because I'm not going to have a new person come in and then I'm going to say do these 10 things and you'll stop feeling stressed one it's unrealistic and because there's no such thing as completely removing stress and anxiety out of our lives but there is also an unrealistic aspect to, hey, listen, we're going to sit for 15 minutes together and things will be fixed. Like you'll just leave this moment or this session feeling like, all right, um, I'm going to just do all the activities and everything will be fine. It takes time and it's important for us to understand how you got here in the first place and contextualize ourselves. I think you made a really good point about our culture kind of instilling and almost glorifying hustle culture and how hard we have to work just being in this capitalistic society. But we also have to take into account other aspects of our identities that are affecting our experience. So what is it like for us to be women, women of color? Um, Perhaps, you know, if you're not like a white cisgender, you know, heterosexual male, then you're probably going to have other stressors on top of just working a lot. So can you tell us a little bit about how you know the difference between somebody being stressed by their job in a way that's normal and healthy, um, you know, juggling a lot on their plate, balancing home life, commuting, all of those normal stressors, um, and then how you can tell between that and, oh, you have a serious, (laughs) traumatic, unhealthy situation at work. Like, what are the signs (laughs) of that? I just want to point out how how even strange that is, right? Like, it, there's a norm, there is a quote normal stress level of like I'm just going to be stressed, <laughs> yeah. Right? I'm just going to be overwhelmed, and that's normal, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't. You know what? I, like, I guess like in our society, it does feel normal and like part of the job, part of what you're signing up for, and like you know you're being paid a bit to be stressed. <laughs> which seems like how a lot of jobs go and might just be like part of, you know, that lifestyle. But where, how do we know when the line has been drawn? Yeah, (laughs) right. Something that I've asked all of my patients to do is look at your basic needs. The moment that you see that you are, that you're asleep, or your eating habits have been disrupted in some way, that's your first sign that something is off. 
Mm. If you're skipping meals, if you're overeating, if you feel less hungry or more hungry, if you're having trouble sleeping or staying asleep, or if you're oversleeping or sleeping more than you usually do, then that's probably the first sign that your body is like physically reacting to the stress that you're having. Yeah. I definitely can identify with that myself. <laughs> sleep habits. Sleep habits. The first yeah. the first thing that at least I notice for myself. That's the first sign from your body telling you like, hey, pay attention to me. Something is off. Mm-hmm. And I recommend that at that moment, you start looking at areas in your life in which you can step back and delegate, ask for help. There's nothing wrong with that. And actually, I think that's really, that's something that's really beautiful about being part of a BIPOC community is that BIPOC communities in general tend to be very collective. So mm-hmm. if you, whatever community you belong to, Latinx or the Black community, like ask for help. It's okay. We're there to help one another, whether that's family or friends. Ask for people to watch the kids for you or ask for someone to drive you somewhere or spend time with you. It, it's okay to do that. Yeah. I feel like people are sometimes a, a little too proud to ask for help. Um I I think that's part of those cultures you mentioned as well. No? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it has to do with these kind of like capitalistic ways in which we grow up. American culture is a very individualistic culture and it does instill in us this idea that you have to do it on your own and success comes on your own. You have to accomplish things and learn things by yourself and asking for help is is somehow weakness Mm -hmm. where there's something really, again, very beautiful and nourishing that comes from asking for help and working together and working in teams and helping one another out. Yeah. I see a lot of talk on social media and other podcasts, um, articles about boundaries, um, you get you get into a job, you're working your hardest, right? You're giving them all the hours, nights, weekends. I'm flexible. I can be on the meeting late. You know, you're giving your job all these allowances, and then that takes a toll on you. Like you said, you see that in your maybe your sleep habits or your eating or anything like that. And then you know you want to pull back, but sometimes it feels like you can't and still be in good standing with your employer. Any advice to help people kind of better balance um, their workloads after they've been pushing hard for so long? Yeah, I love your point about boundaries. That's something that I work on with patients in all aspects of their lives. It's hard for us to say no. If you find yourself in that position where you're thinking, okay, I'm already experiencing a little bit of burnout take a step back, try to establish some boundaries. A really simple first baby step to try to take is establishing boundaries around meals. So making sure that you're having breakfast, lunch, and dinner Mm -hmm. and that you're blocking it out in your calendar. The way that you block out for meetings or other assignments, block that out 30 minutes, an hour, put it in your calendar, you're going to eat and do not schedule anything around that or instead of that. Just maintain that commitment to yourself. Other people find it helpful to delete the email app from their phone altogether or create rules where it's silenced 
from like 7 p.m. until 8 a.m. the next morning. So those are also small ways in which you can establish boundaries around work. Kind of next level from there would be learning how to say no to tasks or extra responsibilities at work. And it doesn't always have to be a straight up no. So when a, a boss or supervisor or coworker says, hey, can you do this thing? We don't have to say no. Right? We doesn't have to be just like, nope, yep. we can't. You can if you feel empowered to do that. Absolutely. But you can always say something like, thank you for thinking of me or you know, it means a lot that you would trust me with this kind of assignment. However, at this time, I don't have the capacity for it. And it's absolutely okay for you to say that or to even ask for help or halfway take on the task. You know, like I can absolutely support you and maybe brainstorming some ideas for it or getting something started for it. But unfortunately, I don't have the time or space to be able to complete it, right? Or I can be here on the sidelines if you need some additional support, but I don't feel comfortable taking on this fully this task at this time. That's great advice. I love saying no. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I have been such a yes person for so long that when I discovered the word no, it was recent. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) what? This exists. I actually don't have to do something. And not only do I not have to do it, but I don't have to feel guilty about not doing it. Um, Because sometimes we We do say no, and then we spend all of our time that we're not doing that task feeling bad about it. Oh, I should have just done it. Oh, I really could have helped out. Oh, now so-and-so has to do it. Like, you know, your Mm -hmm. mind kind of goes through all of that. (laughs) Yeah, but it's important for us to ask ourselves and recognize why it's so hard to say no. And a lot of the work that I do, not just in session with patients, but even in my talking about things like burnout and imposter syndrome, is that a lot of our identities are adding to our experience of this. So why is it hard for you to say no? Could it be perhaps because you're a parentified child? Did you have to take on adult roles as a young child in your home and therefore feel a sense of responsibility, right? And continue to continue to play that role now as a grown up at work. So mm-hmm. we will replay those things. Especially this happens a lot for children of immigrants or people who grew up in um like a, a low income home if your parents were working full time or a single parent home, you probably took on the responsibility of taking care of your siblings as well, if not just of yourself where you were the one that had to feed yourself, go to school on your own and it creates a sense of super independence at such a young age that when you're older, you have to continue to be that person, that reliable Mm -hmm. person that doesn't need anyone else and that other people can actually count on. So if that's the role that you played as a child, it's more, it's very likely that that's the role that you're playing now as a grown up, not just at work. I would argue that you're probably playing that role in other relationships, but that's probably what's coming up for you at work too. And there's other things as well. Children of immigrants tend to struggle with a pressure of being thankful. Um, And Mm. again, if you grew up low SES, uh, low socioeconomic status, then you probably feel like you shouldn't be complaining about your job. You should be thankful that you're there and you should say yes so that your boss likes you and you don't lose your job. There's also, if you grew up 
again, poor or low SES and had that financial instability, you might have a lot of anxiety around not having a job or not having money. And so you feel like you have to please your boss and be on the good side of your employer at all times because you don't want to find yourself living paycheck to paycheck like you did when you were younger or feel like you don't have a paycheck at all. So there's a lot, a lot here that goes into what's going on at work, which is why, you know, of course, I'm going to here is here is my therapist plug. Like if you feel if this is resonating with you, this is probably a sign that going to see a therapist might be helpful. You don't have to be a crazy person to go to therapy. If you're feeling stressed and burnout from work, it could be helpful because your therapist will help you figure out what's going on underneath that. You're not just saying yes all the time just because right? there's a reason that you adopted this behavior. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's so deep. <laughs> I was just thinking about all the things you said and about you know, having a role of responsibility in your household as a child, that if you said no, that could mean some bad things for your family. So like, no, I don't want to do that part-time job to help out the family. Okay. So we're not going to eat today. Oh no, I don't want to babysit my sibling while you go to work. <laughs> It's like things have like huge consequences. So I hadn't even thought about the fear associated with saying no. Yes, the therapy world, the seeing a therapist world is the better world. I've had times in my life where I haven't been in therapy and times where I've had where I have. And I definitely think the times where I have have been. I felt more even um, a general sense of joy, you know, not that things were going perfectly, but I was able to just see more, see things a little more rationally and then talk about my feelings around things. So I know that's really hard for black and brown communities. There's so much stigma. There's mm-hmm. elders telling you like you shouldn't be seeing a ther- therapist. Maybe your partner's telling you that, but you're going to have to not worry about what other people say, right? And do what you need to do. <laughs> yeah. This is that first step in not practicing self-abandonment. Dang. The way you put everything makes me (laughs) think harder about it. Like self-abandonment, just that term alone is like loaded. (laughs) So we know that we're in this society where there's a lot of toxicity in jobs and a lot of stress, whether it be, um, you know, the times that you're working or what you're being asked to do in the job versus what you're being paid to do. Um, A lot of discrepancies there. But what can companies and employers do on their side to kind of change the psychological part of our work culture? What advice would you give them? One of the biggest things that employers can start to do is to take into account the human part of your employees. Recognizing that, yes, they are with you and have committed to spending eight hours of their day to your business, but they don't leave things behind when they clock in. It's hard to. We can, of course, decide to have those healthy boundaries and not like text our friends or fight with our family while we're at work. But that fight that you had with your partner or family member yesterday or this morning before coming to work is going to affect your mood. If, especially now during the pandemic, you're feeling stressed out and overwhelmed because you have kids to take care of or rent or, you know, just the fact that being locked up in your home for days at a time is mentally damaging for us, you know, Mm -hmm. like recognizing that that's what's going on for your employees and checking in with them. 
being empathetic whenever something comes up with an employee that isn't working out. It's more about leaning in and asking, what do you need from me? What's going on? I've noticed mistakes or I've noticed that you've been missing meetings. What's happening? How can I show up for you? You know, studies show that the more that you provide your employees, the more their employees have this mental health support and a well-rounded life, the more motivated they are and the more effective they are when they are at work with you. So they can give you the best of themselves because every other part of them and all their other needs are being met. So one of the biggest things that we can do is to take that into account. Everyone is a human being. They're dealing with a lot. And the best that we can do is check in. I think something that I learned a lot when I was in my early training, when I was working with children was this idea of like a time out and uh, punishing, you know, punishment, like punishing children when they did something bad. And we still do that as grownups now is we have this idea that when someone does something wrong, we need to punish them. And that is extremely damaging. If we could instead do what I was taught, which was do a time in. So to go inwards, to go towards, check in and support, we can create long-term healing and avoid those behaviors or incidents in the long run. Instead of being punishing where we lower someone's self-esteem, where we make someone feel judged and more likely aside from or on top of hurting their self-esteem, also diminish their interest, motivation, and commitment to their work. Yeah. And I was thinking when you were talking, I was like, okay, if there are any managers, supervisors listening, if somebody says, calls you their boss, (laughs) you should be taking notes for this because oftentimes we can't, it's hard to make those changes uh, company-wide or, you know, on a bigger scale, but you as a manager have the power to to practice these things, at least with your employees. And that could really change their experience at your company just because of how you treat them and how you are remembering that um, they are human. You're a very powerful figure in their day. Yeah. <laughs> right. Maybe the most influential Um, besides who's in their household. And a lot of people don't have anyone in their household. I think we talk about life like everyone lives with a family, but there's a whole lot of people who don't. And Mm -hmm. so the only person or one of the only people they might interact with in the day is their manager. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot of power. That's definitely my case as somebody who lives alone. Like Mm -hmm. what my manager and coworkers say to me carries a lot of weight because there's a good chance I'm not going to actually speak to anyone else in that day. Um, Maybe not even leave my house, right? (laughs) Right. So um, that's so important. If people want to get in touch with you or find out more about the many different projects you're doing or watch your YouTube or any of that, um, how can they get in touch with you? So you can follow me on Instagram at talk therapy. That's T-O-C therapy. I'm on YouTube as a therapy explained. 
And I also do have a podcast that is on hiatus right now, because as I mentioned, I am doing a lot, Mm -hmm. but you can also catch that. It's called My Therapist Friends. And I co-host that with Dr. Leslie Sellis. She's a um, clinical psychologist and we talk about our experiences as therapists, but also as Latinas and mental health. And it's a much more relaxed conversation and Mm -hmm. you can have your own therapist friends. Yeah, I love that. Um, y'all definitely need to listen. Follow, make sure you're following the podcast and listen to our YouTube videos. I think your voice is so soothing. You could tell me to do anything at this point. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, it's funny. I get that a lot. I don't know why. <laughs> I feel like I have a candle lit and like music playing and like a silk robe on. I don't know. I just feel so relaxed (laughs) in the middle of the day. And so just, yeah, I think you have that energy. And sometimes that energy can be felt um, even through a video or through a podcast. And I definitely think you have that Mm -hmm. magic. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you for for, uh, sharing that. Thanks so much for talking to us today and hope to have you back. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I always enjoy talking to you. Really great insights from Denise, and I hope that she reminded you that sometimes the issues and challenges and trauma from your personal life can also show up at work. You might have issues setting boundaries, saying no, advocating for yourself, but where does that come from? If you have an interest in getting therapy and would like to talk to someone who looks like you, check out Denise's practice at toctherapy.org, and also there's sites like latinxtherapy.com, therapyforblackgirls.com and therapyincolor.org that allow you to search for a therapist that is right for you. Have a great week. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.